Go to two openings today, one at 2 Timothy 1.7 and the other one in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. I want to talk to you today about being fearless in the midst of fear. And the fear certainly is out there. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us. Say it with me, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The spirit of fear in the believer creates a playground for the will of the devil in their life. And I mean, no, we don't need to have our lives a playground for the devil. This scripture tells us that if we're in fear, it's impossible for us to be walking in power. If we're in fear, it's impossible for us to be walking in love because perfect love does what to fear? Perfect or mature or grown-up love casts out fear. If you're in fear, it's proof you're not walking in love. And third, if you're in fear, you're not walking around with a sound mind. So it's incapable for you to think right. It's, you're incapable of, of making right decisions. That's why if you're walking around in fear, the, the dumbest thing you can do is make a life-changing decision. Let me help you out with this. Uh, everything that's not a faith is fear. Everything. Even sorrow and grief is a manifestation of fear. And you'd be amazed how many people will make snap decisions when emotionally compromised. You don't want to do that because if you do, you're going to realize one day that you were in no position mentally to make a decision like that. The best thing you do is just sit still and wait on God. Praise Him and worship Him and get into His Word and get out of that fear and stay out of it permanently. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a situation that David stumbled upon. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Diamond between Soka and Ezekiah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. Get a mental picture of this. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. That means he was just barely under ten feet tall. He would have a career in the NBA. All I have to do is just stand over the bucket and just drop it in there. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That is, his armor alone weighed 125 pounds. That's okay. Our Marines carry about, what, 80 pounds? Something like that, so not too impressive there. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. The point of that uh, spear alone was 15 pounds. I mean, if that hits you, you're gone. His shield bearer went ahead of him, and Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Why not? Uh, I am not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Look at that phrase. On what? On hearing his what? His words. Has anything happened yet? No. Is anybody dead yet? No. Is there any blood letting yet? No, and yet they're afraid, terrified, and dismayed because of what? Words. 
Same thing's happening right now throughout the land because of what? Words. Now, this character makes a huge mistake by saying, I defy the armies of the living God. Because by saying that, he's saying, I defy the one who is at the head of the armies of the living God. In this scenario, watch this, everybody was in fear. The spirit of fear was in the king. The spirit of fear is in David's brothers. The spirit of fear is in the army of God. The spirit of fear is even in the Philistines because do you see them moving anywhere? They're not moving. And the spirit of fear actually is even this tall guy. He's talking a big talk, but the reality is he's not doing anything either. They're all pinned down by what? Fear. One on one hill, one on the other, and nothing in the valley. Because that's what fear does. And the army of God is pinned down based on the words and misinformation of the enemy. And the Philistines, they didn't make a move on Israel because they also were in fear. Now there was in this land a virus named Goliath. Fearless means lacking fear. But this big name in the valley, Goliath, is shooting his mouth off. And it terrified and dismayed the people of God, even beyond what they were. Now, here comes David. For time, we won't read the scripture, but his father sends him with some food and supplies to come to his brothers and be a blessing. Except that's not what his brother Eliab says. He says to David, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now I just came down and you're bringing some food. But look at the response here. Look what fear sounds like when somebody is eaten up with it. King Saul said, you're just a boy. You can't handle this situation. Goliath said, am I a dog that you come out with me with a stick? Listen to me carefully. Don't trust what people say when they're in fear. Ever. And certainly don't believe what they say about you when they're afraid. Because they're incapable of speaking the truth and communicating the truth when they're in fear. That's why everybody in this room and everybody listening online, you need to make sure that you measure everything you hear out there on one parameter. Is that speaker, is that anchor, is that politician, are they in fear? And if they are, I can't trust the word they're saying. Amen. Apparently, David understood this because he didn't let what they said get to him. I'm not wicked, I'm not arrogant, I'm not just a boy, and I am not a stick. And the reason he could ignore what was said in the fear is because he was operating in faith. Are you here today? See, here's the bottom line for you and for me. We've got to understand that if fear is present, we don't have the power of the love or a sound mind. Everything we do in life, say it with me, everything... Everything we do in life is either faith-based or fear-based, and there is no exception. A fear-based life is going to produce fear and torment and, and defeat. 
a life that's lived in the spirit of faith is going to produce peace and victory. But right now, you are either in faith or you are in fear. There is no alternative. Everything you do in this life is going to be based on that. And when you act on fear, you're going to get destruction. You act on faith, you're going to get victory. Look at somebody and say, I'm into victory. I'm not into defeat. Now, just in meditating on this, I'll just, I'll just give you this the way that I received it, I believe, from the Spirit of God. Uh, you have two armies, two kings, the finest soldiers of both uh, particular groups, the Philistines and Israel, all pinned down in fear. They're stuck in fear. The Spirit of God is talking to the church right now in this country, and God is saying, if you don't get out of this fear, you're about to become stuck in that fear. And then you will need supernatural deliverance to get out of this. If you're not serving because of fear, if you're not attending because of fear, if you're not giving because of fear, if you're not walking with God because of fear, if you're not doing what you should be doing because of fear, and you're a Christian, you better get out now because if you don't, there is a tie coming, there is a spirit coming, and you're going to be bound by that the rest of your life. There's a bigger agenda to this than some virus. And you and I, in the midst of all that fear, are called to live fearless. Just like David. In the midst of all of that fear, here's this one man walking in what? Faith. Come on, shout it out. It doesn't matter what they say. I don't trust what is said about me when a person's in fear. Amen. What do I trust? I trust what God says about me. Amen. Say, I trust what God says about me. Doesn't matter what Eliab said. Doesn't matter what Saul said. Doesn't matter what Goliath said because David has been spending time worshiping his God, writing Psalms and tending his father's sheep. Amen. So how do you do this? How, how are you capable of being fearless when everybody else is full of it? And it's everywhere you look. I'm sorry, but I get, I get tickled at people that tell me I, I'm afraid to go to church, but they're not afraid to go to Walmart. They're afraid to come to church, but they're not afraid to go shopping. They're, they're afraid to go to church, but they're not afraid to go see Garth Brooks. They're afraid to go to church, but not afraid to go watch a Super Bowl or some other important thing like that. Amen? Say, Pastor, who are you for? I'm for nobody. Amen. I, I don't have a, a horse in the race. I don't have a dog in the hunt. Amen? Uh, NFL lost me a long time ago by their social engineering and stupidity. But that's another sermon. <laughs> but all of that is safe. But COVID knows when you drive on to the property of a church and you step inside that door, COVID rears up and says, I'm going to get you for that. I'm going to get you. Not only has the common cold been engineered you know, to cause the problems. It's also been engineered to be ex extremely intelligent. 
truth is, wherever you go, whatever you do, you should be doing it in faith, not fear. Wherever you go. Wouldn't little fear a good thing? That's like asking if a little hell is a good thing. No, a little fear is not a good thing. You don't have to be in fear to use wisdom to protect yourself, to do what needs to be done. But whatever you do, you need to do it what? In faith. You're always in faith or you're in fear, and they produce two different results. Take the example from David. How do you live fearless when everybody else is in it? Well, 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Bible tells us that uh, Jesse's sons were all lined up, and here comes the prophet Samuel, and he's going to anoint a king over Israel. And he goes through all of the sons, and he says, you got anybody else out there? Well, there's David, you know, but he's back there keeping the sheep. Call him up here. When he came, the Lord says, this is the one. And right then and there, the Bible says the prophet anoints him, and the Bible says the Spirit of God comes on him in power. And then what does he do? He goes back to change of the sheep. Now, some of y'all think because you're still with the sheep, God's not going to use you. And it doesn't mean you're not anointed because you're with the sheep. Amen. It just means you're in development. It means you're in training. It means you're in a hidden place. But you're still, what, anointed. You have the power of God. And if you're going to live fearless in a world that is absolutely baptized in fear, you are going to have to stand in the anointing that God has given you. Say it with me. I am anointed. How do I know that? Because you're born again. Because you're spirit-filled. You have things that David did not have. As godly as he was, as powerful as he was, he did not have the new birth and he was not a spirit-filled man. There's a difference between the Spirit of God coming on somebody and the Spirit of God coming on and in somebody permanently. There's an anointing on you. Burden removing, yoke destroying, power is on you. You do not have to succumb to fear. There's an anointing on you. Anointing is God on flesh doing what flesh can't do. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he can do in you and through you. And David had an anointing, but so do you. We have an even greater anointing. We just need to learn to stand in what God has given us. I remember years ago, I was uh, teaching the Word over in Hopkinsville, and I had to be out of town, and there was someone I asked to step into the pulpit, and he took the opportunity while I was out of town to slam some of the people we hold as precious in the faith that teach us the uncompromised Word of God. So for months I'm preaching and teaching. He gets up there and thinks it's a good idea. Now, first of all, it's highly unethical behavior to do that and disrespectful, but I was more concerned about the effect it would have on people's thinking. And being, you know, young in the ministry, I, I called up my crazy sister. Crazy for Jesus, hey, Ben. And, uh, and she just was very blunt. She said, you know what? You just stand in anointing as a pastor, as a teacher of the Word of God. And you trust that God is going to preserve the hearts and the minds of people and what they need to understand. And I said, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand in my anointing. I'm going to stand in what you have said. I'm going to believe the Word of God. And do you know that I had... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I had people in the church come to me. I didn't say anything. I did nothing corrective. All I did was make the decision. I'm going to trust the Spirit of God to deal with this thing. Listen to me, church. You need to trust the Spirit of God to deal with some things. Yes. And the Spirit of God to deal with some people. Amen. Instead of you trying to take care of it. 
And I thought, oh, this is really interesting, so I'm going to stand in that anointing. Look at somebody and say, stand in your anointing. I don't care if you think you're a preacher or a teacher or an apostle called of God or not. You're a child of God. And with that came the equipment to overcome anything, including fear in your life. So I have people come to me all week long. What on earth is wrong with that guy? And they would say, I can't believe he said that, you know, going against the word of God. I didn't say anything. What was happening was the anointing was working, quickening the minds of the people to reject the unbelief and stay with the word of God. That's the kind of discernment we need right now. I said, that's what we need right now. And the good thing is, you have that kind of anointing. So David is already empowered by God, but he's standing in that anointing. And you need to do the same thing. When you're dealing with some issue in your life, let the anointing do the job. You don't know how to fix something, let the anointing fix it. You don't know where to go, let the anointing show you and guide you and direct you what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I want to live fearless in a world that's baptizing it. Stand in your anointing. You have equipment the world doesn't have and religious people don't understand. Amen. Number two, you need to declare your testimony. Say it, my testimony. In 1 Samuel 17, before Saul said, you're just a boy, and David's response was this. He said, I killed both the lion and the bear. <laughs> Came after what I was charged to protect. And I killed the lion, I killed the bear. And this is what he said. He said, that uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them. Now I killed the lion, I killed the bear, I'm going to kill the Philistine. What was he drawing on? He was drawing on his experience with God. You need to remind yourself and others what God has already done in you and what God has done through you. Raise your hand and shout if God has ever come through for you on some issue of your life. You can testify what he did. It's not just about what they're saying or they're doing. It's remembering how God has come through time and time again. If you're David, lion, checkbox. I mean, bear, checkbox. Giant, check. And you and I can do the same thing. He moved in our lives 20 years ago, 25 years ago, five years ago. How about last week? Did God do something even last week? You might not even be aware of. But not only do you have an anointing to stand in, you and I are called to make sure that we declare that testimony. Recalling God's victories. Remembering what he did. Turn to somebody and tell them, God has been good to you. Say it again, he has been good to you. And I tell you, the scripture tells us this, according to Revelation 12, 11, they overcame them by what? The blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and loving out their lives even unto death. That literally says they not just overcame, one translation says they conquered him. You're going to conquer fear. With your testimony. Amen. Amen. The devil tells you, well, you're not getting healed. Just remind the devil about the 20 times God already healed you. The devil says, you're not going to have any supernatural provision. You're on your own, bucko. You're not going to get any help from God. Just remind him all the times he came through. I know people in the body of Christ who had nothing in the cupboards and came home one day and found an entire driveway full of bags from the grocery store. But God. Everybody say, but God. I know people who had zeros show up in their checking account. No explanation. 
I know people who've had supernatural debt cancellation. Fear says you're never going to get out of debt. Well, then tell the devil and everybody else all the times that God came through for you. You're never getting out of this mess. Well, let me tell you about the 20 previous messes he got me out of. Your testimony is one of the most powerful weapons you have because it's what God did honoring his word in your life. Raise your hand if he's ever come through for you. Come on, raise it up high. Now give him praise for it. He came through. We're not just preaching sermons, you know, and having services and talking about a God that might one day could be maybe do something. He has already done things. In this room are people who are out of their minds, hooked on drugs, but they're free now. They're people that were supposed to die, but they're alive right now and sitting here. There are people who had no hope, but God gave them a hope and a future. You've got a testimony. I'm not going to betray anybody's trust, but I'm telling you, there are people in this room right now who have gone through things that they should have just given up the ghost, laid down, and died, but they didn't do it. The betrayal and the hurt and the rejection and all the things the devil tried to do to destroy them, and yet they're standing. Why? Because God did it. So in your next, you know, affair with a giant or whatever it is, if he did it once, he could do it again. You know what you were told when you were a kid? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I liked that until I grew up to be 6'5". I didn't like it so much after that. (laughs) But come on, say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And now David's got the story of, I got the bear, I got the lion, and I got the giant. Here's the head to prove it. Hallelujah. You've got a story. You've got a testimony. Not of what God might have done, what God did for you. We're building with all kinds of stories of how good he has been. And I'm telling you, when you're facing that next enemy, that next challenge, that next problem, what you want to do is just lift up your voice and talk about all the things God has done. It'll, it'll build your faith, amen, and encourage you that you're going to win this one too. The only way you lose in the body of Christ is to quit. Come on, say it, I'm not a quitter. Come on, say, I'm not a quitter. Say it, I'm not a quitter. I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. Isn't that right, Gary? I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. I mean, when you pastor long enough, you, you see the worst that can happen to humanity. You certainly see the worst of humanity. But you see the worst that can happen to humanity. And when you trust him like you have in the past, You'll say once again, the devil did his best. But his best wasn't good enough. God is calling the body of Christ to pull out their testimony like never before. And tell everybody who will listen what God has done. All the many things, all the many victories, all the many powerful things he has done through the years. Well, it not only built David's faith, but apparently he got the soul as well. Okay, go get him. Here, take my armor. I can't wear your armor. David said, I've got to be me. <laughs> Amen. 
It's not walking in somebody else's anointing. It's not walking out in somebody else's story. Amen. Aren't you glad you got a story? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You know, I listened to Brother John Osteen for years tell this testimony. I could tell it almost as good as he can. <laughs> I was a high school dropout selling popcorn at the ISIS Theater. <laughs> and that's where God found him. Found him in a theater. Born again, spirit-filled, amen. Won people all over the world to Jesus. Got him baptized in the Holy Ghost. Laid the foundation for Lakewood Church. You know, the real victory story of Lakewood Church is when a pastor left his son and congregation $67 million to develop the compact center. Did I mention he was a dropout selling popcorn at the ISIS theater? Why would he do it all the time? Because that's his story. Amen. There are a few people that I would love to just be able to sit down and talk to about the things of the ministry and about the Word of God, and he's always one of them. He would talk about coming through the Great Depression. He would talk about how his mama would come in there in, in the morning and pour the milk, and she, she poured up about, you know, one-third or one-half, and he said, oh, how I long for her to pour it all the way up to the top of the glass. But that wasn't going to be at that time. He said, but now, he goes, if you'll go in my refrigerator, I have gallons of milk in my refrigerator, as much as I want to drink. How do you go from that to where God brought him? How dare we not celebrate what God has done in the past? It's not bragging on us. It's bragging on him. Amen. David knew the power behind the victories. And so do we. Come on, say it, I have an anointing. Say it, I have an anointing. Say it, I have a testimony. Ooh, and he's just getting started. I hear the Spirit of God saying, don't listen to what the world says. Don't listen to what religion says. Don't listen to what fear says. Listen to the Spirit of God. This is going to be a year of great testimonies coming out of how he came through again. Glory to God. Say it. Do it again, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, say it. Do it again, Jesus. Another testimony. Amen. Praise God. The third thing that he had, and it will help us to be fearless when everyone else is full of it. Look at somebody and tell them they're full of it. Man. Just, that virus named Goliath. You need to appropriate your covenant. Say it with me. Appropriate my covenant. Say it. I have a covenant with God through his son, Jesus Christ. A sacred, irrevocable promise from God. In uh, chapter uh, 17, Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him. What do you think that shield bearer was thinking? <laughs> He's probably thinking, man, this thing's heavy. Kept coming closer to David. That threat may be coming closer to you. 
He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You can't curse somebody that's blessed. It'll boomerang on you. Don't ever be afraid of what some witch is doing or somebody cursing or talking ugly about you. Because when it hits the blessing, it always boomerangs. Come on, say it. It always boomerangs. You just stay in faith and love. Amen. And the word of God in you and through you will prove that person wrong. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, listen, whom you have defied. In defying the armies, you defy the head of the army. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. How many believe that that giant's never been talked to before in his entire life that way? <laughs> There's this little boy saying, I'm going to cut your head off. He turns to his shield bearer and goes, do you believe this guy? <laughs> but how many understand, spirit of faith doesn't back down. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give you, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there's a God in heaven. Not only am I going to take you out, we're going to take you all out. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Notice he's not running away. Dear God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. How hard must that guy's head have been? Amen. A non-covenant giant is no match for a boy with a covenant. Amen. An uncircumcised, non-covenant virus. Is no match for a people with a covenant. An angel directed the stone of that covenant man into the forehead of the giant. And an angel is going to do the same thing with your giant if you'll operate in faith instead of fear, if you'll appropriate that name. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out what? Great exploits. We have a greater anointing. We have a greater testimony. And we have a greater covenant. We have a better covenant. Amen. Whatever standing in your way right now, Whatever is harassing you, whatever is attacking you, you have that same ability because of covenant, sacred, 
irrevocable, and God is not going to compromise his covenant on your behalf. He's going to keep it. He is a truth teller and a keeper of the covenant. Amen? People who know their God shall do what? Great exploits. Come on, say great exploits. Great exploits. While everyone's walking around in fear, and what are we going to do, and what should we do here, and who should we listen to, I'll tell you, we're going to go around and do great exploits. We're not going to wait around for COVID to take a vacation. We're going to go ahead and win our city and county to Jesus Christ. We're going to go ahead and get them all baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Go ahead and get them all healed. Drive fear out and let God be exalted. Not be, well, one day we'll do this. One day we'll do that. One day is today. Say, we have a greater covenant. We have a greater covenant. Brother Osteen used to tell this story. He had one of his members, and he uh, was traveling down in to Mexico, and at that time, there were a lot of people in the States uh, that were being robbed and killed for whatever they actually had on them or in their cars or whatever. And this man was, uh, was accosted by two people, and they took him out off the road, you know, into the desert a little bit, and, uh, and they tied him to a tree after they stripped him and took all of his stuff. And he's tied to this tree as they began to walk away. Imagine this. And I mean, you know, going to Lakewood, he was probably taught something about who he is in Christ and his covenant. And he began to talk back to these guys. I mean, they're the ones with the guns. He's the one that's naked. He's the one that's tied to the tree. They're the ones with all of his stuff. And he's, he's yelling at them. He's saying, you can't do this to me. I'm a covenant man of God. I have a covenant with God. I'm a child of God. And they just kept on walking. And he said, I'm a covenant man of God. You cannot do this to me. You come back here and untie me, give me my clothes and give me my stuff. I am a covenant man of God. And they just kept on walking. And he shouted out all the more. He said, I'm a covenant man of God. In the name of Jesus, you come back here and bring me my clothes and my stuff and get out of here. I'm a covenant man of God. You can't do this to me. And they stopped. And the one turned around and goes, you're one crazy gringo. <laughs> and did exactly what he had declared. They went back at him, untied him, gave him his clothes and all of his stuff. Shaking their heads, they just walked away. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A few years ago, there was an 80-something-year-old lady sitting in her car. She had been, just been to a store, and uh, this guy pulls a gun, sits in the front seat, and says, I'm, I want you to come with you. You're going to drive. I'm taking your car. I'm taking everything. You don't do what I do. You don't do what I tell you. I'm going to kill you. She got a gun pointed to her head. She starts witnessing to him about Jesus. What Jesus did in her life. It wasn't long before tears started welling up in the sides of his eyes. Pretty soon he's crying like a baby. Pretty soon he wants to know how to get saved. The man that brought a gun into her car is now asking, how do I get saved? I'm telling you, no thug is a match for a woman of God with a covenant. I first heard that story and I asked my sister about that story and, and it's been well documented. So I, with eagerness as a baby Christian, ask her, well, what if I say that to that man who's pointing a gun at me and he shoots? She goes, well, then you go to heaven. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad I asked you. 
Say it with me. That giant is no match for a woman of God, for a man of God, with a covenant. Look at somebody say, you're one crazy gringo. Dare to think that your covenant has enough power to deliver you from that situation? You can. Amen. Say it with me. David had an anointing. Say it, I have a better anointing. Say it, David had a testimony. Say it, I have a better testimony. Say it, David had a covenant. Say it, I have a better covenant. A better testimony. A better anointing. So can we get results with that giant in our lives? Yes, we can. Come on, say, no giant in my life can stand against me with my anointing and testimony and covenant. No giant. So the very beginning of the year, this is what the Lord, you know, instructed me uh, to tell you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you in a minute, and it's taken me the entire month of January to get to it. Praise the Lord, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. God is charging you, church, don't be afraid to dream. You dream this year like you've never dreamed before. You don't pay any attention to the circumstances. You dream and you dream big. What does God have out there for you? Number two, don't be afraid to forgive. You have nothing to lose and you will gain your freedom by doing so. What if they take advantage of me? What if they hurt me again? That's not the point. You need to be a person who's not afraid to forgive. It is fear keeping you from dreaming. It is fear keeping you from forgiving. You've told yourself it's the hurt keeping you from forgiving. It's not. It's the fear. And because of that, pride manifests and you're stuck. Say it with me. I'm not afraid to forgive anybody for what they've done to me any time in my life. Say it. I'm not afraid to forgive. Number three, don't be afraid to start over. Lamentations 3 tells us his mercies are new every morning. Okay, you had the wind knocked out of you, somebody betrayed you, or you fell flat on your face in failure. His mercies are what? New every morning. Don't be afraid to start over. Oh, Pastor, I've started over half a dozen times, and here I am again, falling back on my face again, still doing the same old things. Don't be afraid to start again. It's between you and the Lord. Yea, when I fall, I shall arise. The righteous man falls seven times and does what? Gets back up. Don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to forgive. Don't be afraid to start over. Don't be afraid to live your life. Come on, say, I'm going to live my life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In England this week, there were massive mandates about everything. This week, the British government said there will be no more mandates in Great Britain. Um, in other words, here's what you know, the PM said. 
We're going to trust the British people to make their own health decisions. There's an idea. Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> like what Jeremy Pearson said this past week, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. They were told, you're going to bow to this 90-foot gold idol or we're going to nail you. And they said, we won't bow. And guess what? We're not going to burn either. That fourth man did show up, didn't he? Did Jesus not show up? Yes, he did. Huh? You know what Jeremy said? He said, I guess I didn't want to obey the mandate. Selah. I mean, this whole world is afraid to live. I have come that they might have life to the full till it overflows. That's what God has called you. The thief cometh not before the what? Steal and kill and destroy. Anything stripping liberty from you is not of God. Anything instilling life and liberty in you is of God. Hallelujah. Say it, I'm not afraid to live my life. You want to go get a hamburger? Bless God, go get a hamburger. You want to go shopping? Go shopping. You want to take a road trip? Take a road trip. Amen? You want to go to the Bahamas, throw pastor in the suitcase, and I'll go with you. Amen. Bless God. Let's just <coughs> go. You want a milkshake? Drink a milkshake. Live your life. There are people going to wake up after two or three years ago, you know, after, after this and go, well, you know, I just threw away two or three years of my life. Waiting for somebody else to give me permission. God already gave you permission. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's what? There is liberty. Amen. I never thought I'd say this, but apparently the British are smarter than the Americans. <laughs> In the same week, Austria passed a law that said if you are not vaccinated, you will stay in lockdown. There was a vote this past week within a certain political party, which I won't even name. 59% of that political party said that Americans should be locked down by the National Guard if they haven't had the vaccine. In America. Well, all I got to say is, comrade, not while I'm breathing. And we're not Australia. We're not going to let the government buy back and destroy our guns. Amen. We believe in the First Amendment, and we believe in the Second Amendment. Amen. We, we appreciate the fact that there are God-given rights. But all I can tell you is you can see where this will go. It will go to wherever people will allow it to go. In the ministry, we trust you to make the right decisions for your own health. That's the way the government should operate as well. Whatever it is you feel you're led to do. Don't be afraid to live your life. Amen? You want to go see the St. Louis Cardinals play ball in Bush Stadium? I believe I do want to go see St. Louis Cardinals play in Bush Stadium. I, I'm going to go. What about all the people? 
I'm going to take my covenant and my anointing, amen, and my testimony with me. Look at somebody and say, don't leave home without them. Amen. Glory to God. You want to get your hair cut? Get your hair cut. You want to get it colored? Again, get your hair colored again. You want to get your nails done? Get your nails done. Was that a dude that just yelled? (laughs) No judgment. No judgment. If you're a man and you want to get a manny and petty, go right ahead. I ain't saying nothing about that. Live your life. Live your life. Come on, say, don't be afraid to live your life. Jesus paid his high price and we're letting some mysterious thing pin us down like a bunch of wimps. Live your life. Number five, don't be afraid to take a risk. God will honor a risk taken in faith. Not you out there doing your own thing, deciding what you want to do, but acting on the word of God like an Isaac, acting on the word come like a Peter, you take that risk and watch and see what God will do in this year. You'll be glad you did. You remember what Babe Ruth said, never let the fear of striking out stop you from playing the game. Amen. What if I fail? What if you succeed? Hallelujah. Number six, don't be afraid to live openly for the Lord. Stand out clean in a dirty world. Boldly live your life in front of this world. They need to see what covenant people look like. And number seven, don't be afraid to speak up. Amen. Everybody else has an opinion, guess what? So do you. Now, if you speak it out on Facebook, you probably go to Facebook jail. I used to think it was a joke until I see a lot of people who espouse Christian or conservative values and all of a sudden they get a warning from Facebook. You say, what? Because they're part of the problem. Amen. Go right now after church and put on Facebook is partisan. See if you don't get a warning. I'll send you a few things that you can post, glory to God. What's wrong with this world? They're crazy. But don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to be called names like conceited and arrogant, boy, stick, bigot, homophobe. Amen. Just because you agree with the word of God. And all of those things, listen to me, are said in fear. When somebody comes at you with a name, it's in fear. Don't you dare allow what somebody says in fear to get to you. Amen. Amen. Say it one more time. I'm not afraid to dream, to forgive, to start over, to live my life, to take a risk, to live openly for the Lord, or to speak up. In Jesus' name, I don't have a spirit of fear. But of what? Power. And love and of a sound mind. Come on, stand to your feet and give him a praise offering. Thank him for it. Glory to God.